0: patient players. This is the Dominion League Weekly Podcast with another special interview episode for you. This is a long one, so I'll try to keep the intro and outro short and sweet so we don't cross the two-hour mark. My guest this episode is none other than alaB 1152 who, apart from loving and playing Dominion like the rest of us, is also a league moderator and a server admin of the community Discord. He has been with the mod team for 16 seasons now. He is currently the setup chair and the administrator. You'll find out more about what that means in the interview. Olivier was also a moderator for the Dominion Online Championships and the World Cups. And he also recently modded the Masked Player Tournament for which he wrote these wonderful blurbs for the unmasking. And I'm also thinking of hiring him as a pod writer after reading his group stage summaries for the World Cup. Livy has played 21 seasons of League to date, 15 of those in E-tier. Most importantly, though, Livy is one of the kindest people I have met here so far. He is incredibly helpful and so humble. I am very fortunate to count you among my friends, my dear. Quick note before we start, we recorded this interview before Christmas, so when Alibi and I talk about this season, we mean season 49, not our current glorious season 50. So without further ado, here's Alibi 1152. It's good to see you.
1: Okay, I have hit my record button.
0: Perfect. So... I need to like read the question, even though I know I, <laughs> what I want to ask. <laughs> like it's the first thing. But <laughs> for those of the people who don't know, can you maybe explain the meaning behind your username? And also assemble me specifically wanted to know what the 1152 stands for.
1: Okay, so it's, it's nothing too creative. Uh, it's basically just the first initial of my first name. And then the beginning of my last name, Uh, so the sort of growing up, you always have very uncreative nicknames for various sports teams and stuff, so uh, the beginning of my last name, Lib, used to be my nickname, and sometimes you add a Y or an S on the end, so then I became Libby as my uh, sort of high school nickname, so that's where A. Libby comes from, and then the um whenever I started to try and sign up for things, it always seemed like Alibby, the username was taken, so I had to come up with some way to attach something to it so that I could actually get a username, so I decided to use my hockey number, which is eleven. And then maybe a year or two later I finally came up to a website where Alibby eleven had already been taken. So I had to go on to my football number next, which was fifty-two, so That's where aliby 1152 comes from, and I haven't come across anything where I haven't been able to get that username since, So, but I'm in a little bit of trouble because there are only so many more numbers I can come up with, and my baseball number was too inconsistent, so I don't have a, Mm. a set next to digits to come up with. So hopefully nobody hearing this starts stealing those usernames. (laughs)
0: Well, then let's not get into the baseball numbers. Yes. For security reasons. Yes. Um, So what's the meaning behind your avatar?
1: Again, there's nothing too creative on there. Uh, The first time I ever came on to Discord was uh, to sign up for League. And for a long time, I kept just the basic controller avatar. Never really had anything too exciting there. Uh, Then once I started talking a little bit more in channels and stuff... I started using the logo of my favorite sports team that was in season. So if it was baseball season, it would be the Yankees. If it was hockey season, it would be the Penguins. But then after a while, after modding for a few seasons, uh, everybody was doing the creative, let's have some sort of Dominion card or some Dominion-themed avatar. So um, I'm not one that's super into the art and things like that. So I had to come up with something that would be sort of representative of where I am. And so I live in Colorado right now and winter is sort of my favorite season. So I'm near the mountains and Mountain Pass had had some nice snowy mountains on it. So um, the avatar now is kind of what I see out my window.
0: Really? What?
1: Uh, It depends on which window I look out, but and what time of year it is, but not not the big mountains, but sort of the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. I can see from uh, where I live.
0: Ah, I demand proof.
1: <laughs> Someday.
0: <laughs> so um, can you share a little bit about yourself as much or as little as you like?
1: Yep. So as I just mentioned, I'm currently living in Colorado. I'm 34 years old. I work uh, for, the, for one of the universities near here as a Um, research scientist. Um, Most of my work deals with uh, applying satellite data to tropical cyclones or hurricanes. Um, It's not necessarily what I went to school for, but it's where I wound up um, landing and finding a job about four or five years ago now. So uh, things are going well. It's pretty interesting seeing how we can take information from satellites and improve hurricane forecasts and sort of the um, structure of hurricanes from space then uh, I guess a little bit further going further back I grew up in Vermont um, so the eastern part of the United States basically just played a lot of sports as a kid growing up we we're a very athletic family both my brother and both my parents are coaches and um, played sports through high school so Uh, That sort of shaped where my interests lied growing up.
0: Hmm. And um, I guess the most important question uh, always for me is, what is your favorite color?
1: So sort of out of left field, but purple is my favorite color. Um, Yes. Because since, uh, (laughs) again, since both parents, as I was growing up, were coaches and teachers at the high school, the school colors where I went were purple and white, so... I always grew up surrounded by, by the purple and white, so just kind of grew attached to it. And then, of course, um, when you start playing in high school, you're always wearing the purple uniforms and purple and white uniforms. So it just kind of grew on me from when I was born up until up through high school. So I guess I've never really grown up and I'm still back in high school.
0: <laughs> I mean, purple is just the best color so
1: yeah and there's very few shades so you don't really have to distinguish between all of them where some people will say blue is my favorite color okay is it royal blue is it navy blue is it baby Mm -hmm. blue Mm -hmm. so
0: and purple i mean there are some shades of purple but um they're all beautiful yes every every shade of purple is a good shade of purple oh yeah i have a quiz question before we do the warm up. Okay. My quiz question for you is if you know how many league seasons you have played total.
1: I think I started season 30, so is this my 19th?
0: No, is it?
1: Oh. It's either if you, I think it's either 18 or 19. No.
0: No, no, no. No, it's correct, but if you like if your first season was 30?
1: Oh, yeah, math. So season t- so twenty,
0: yay! <laughs> I
1: I always mess up endpoint math. For
0: yeah, me too. <laughs> in, in, inc- inclusive
1: or exclusive, I always mess that up.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. That's like that's why I'm I'm very glad that no one ever like checks up on the significant lead club members, right? Because yeah. no one can. I mean, they can, but <laughs> no one does it. But I'm always going like. How many new people were it's like where does the first person begin, and then the last person yep. like, well, twenty five new people
1: <laughs> When do I add but the it's... one? When don't I add the one?
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. Are you ready for your warm-up questions? Yes, Okay, you know how this goes. Ten questions either or here we go. Vermont or Colorado Colorado baseball or hockey hockey seals or puppies puppies peanut butter smooth or crunchy smooth chocolate chip cookies or beer
1: chocolate chip cookies
0: oh i didn't expect that interesting uh nodding cat gif or marie gif
1: nodding cat gif
0: what My heart is breaking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Lasagna or spaghetti? Lasagna. Uh, Envoy or advisor?
1: You have to choose one. Envoy. It's non. It's terminal. (laughs) Okay.
0: Um, Commentary by Mick or by B Skull?
1: B Skull. There. It's a very close one.
0: Yeah. I always imagine like if there was a game like they both played against each other and both were doing um VC where would I go that's how I personally go about these questions like yeah really important life questions um dominion online or IRL online okay so I guess that wraps up like all the things that I wanted to know from you, okay. but I guess we can still um, continue the interview so when and how did you start playing Dominion
1: so I think the first time I played when i was was when I was in grad school, maybe what is this now F- ten years ago, twelve years ago uh, we had a group of friends where one of our friends would have always had a pile of random games and, and then one time we just played he pulled out dominion's like i just i just picked this up it was base only it was probably the worst game of dominion ever played we had no idea what we were doing uh we were we were buying duchies whenever we could because hey points are good we had we had stuffed our decks full of terrible cards and throne room was on the board and you would always draw throne room with no actions and then you would go through again draw throne room with no actions and it was always so exciting when you could actually pair your throne room with another, with another action card, and actually get to play it twice. But I think the first game we played must have taken two hours because we could just never get to the end of piles. There was
2: wow. there was
1: no there was no witch on the board or something to at least empty curses. But I think gardens wind up being worth six or seven points each.
0: Wow! What
1: because. It it was awful. Mm-hmm. So we played we played once that night. And then f- from that point on, I was like, this game is awesome. I want to learn how to play it better. But uh, none of them really wanted to play it too much. We played it maybe two or three more times. Then I just kind of put that to bed. It was always in the back of my mind. And I would see it every once in a while in like a board game cafe or something or another friend would have it. And I would play one or two games. And so there was always that itch there. And then about four years ago, or three or four years ago, I wound up finding the online client and signed up for it. And then this was probably the first time that I had seen most of the expansion. So I had no clue what I was doing with some of the expansion cards because there were were mechanics that I had never seen. There were cards I had never seen. and So it took a while of getting beat up on by random people in auto match until I finally learned, okay, this is what, this is what's going on. I think I wound up going to the wiki twice after every game to be like, what is this? What is this mechanic? What is this card actually supposed to do? Since then I've been playing probably way too, way too many games um, online than I should be. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Why'd you say that?
1: Cause my game count is embarrassingly high. I think I'm over sixteen thousand now.
0: I mean, it's not the highest.
1: It's not the highest, but
0: <laughs> it's pretty high.
1: <laughs> don't go, don't go looking at my games played chart. Oh,
0: okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do I'll do it after the interview. <laughs> um, how did you come around to playing League? Uh,
1: so it was. Basically, the client message is what got me on there. I didn't even know the League existed until, I guess it was the Season 30 um, sign-up for a Dominion League post. Um, at that point, I had still been living under a rock, didn't even know Discord it was a, a thing. So
0: Same, same.
1: Um, so, that was the first time I was ever on Discord was downloading it so I could sign up for the League and get all up to speed there, um, even though... Discord wasn't required then. It was I figured I would go there to help with scheduling and all that fun stuff. So, it was the first time I signed up for the forum, the first time I signed up for Discord. Back then all the messages were done through the forum. So, my first few messages in there are from I think it's Gazbag, who is still a league mod. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to he used to do all the personalized onboarding messages. So, Signed up for the League through that, signed up for the forum, signed up for the Discord. And then I guess, as they say, the rest is history, and here I am still playing in League Season 49.
0: Yeah, and now you're like the League admin moderator, whatever your title is. Yeah, I guess guess it's
1: admin mod, I think is the actual title. Not that...
0: Hmm. I
1: guess I should know what it's actually called, but I don't.
0: You should know your title, your your job title. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. So, league season thirty. When was that?
1: I think it was sometime around October of twenty eighteen.
2: Okay. Okay. Let's so see. If
1: if we're six, if we're six seasons per year, uh, I guess it would be over three years ago. See, I think it's late summer early fall of
2: 2018
0: happy anniversary then thank you <laughs> <laughs> um since when are you a league mod
1: i believe that was season 35 or 36 um i know after one season they put out a call for mods and they said um if you've played in the league two or more seasons if you want to be a uh, send an application to be in a mod and i was like eh, i've I have other experience with things, so I'll just throw my hat in the ring after one season and be like, "Hey, I've because I run like various fantasy sports leagues and other things." So I was like, "I have experience with this stuff, but I I know if I've only played one season, so my my first mod application I was declined, and then
0: what? Yep,
1: but I rude. I mean, I was trying to break the rules. I knew I was bending the rules a little bit, but it never hurts to ask.
0: Oh, because you had to have two seasons. Yeah,
1: like ah. they want folks with two seas- two plus seasons. So okay, then I
0: see, I see.
1: So then I think it was three or four seasons after that they put out the next call. Okay. And then I applied again, and I think it was myself and Cr Lundy were brought on at the same time,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which mm-hmm. I think was season thirty-six, maybe thirty-five.
0: Mm-hmm. So you've been a mod for 15 seasons now.
1: Yep. I guess I could check one of my opening posts and one of the channels that I moderate because I always try and give a little info about myself and I try and give how many seasons it's been. Uh, looks like it's, this is my 16th season.
0: Hmm. A veteran.
1: Yes. Hmm.
0: Okay. Oh, sorry.
1: Although, still, there, there are mods who have been doing it longer than I have.
0: Ooh. Okay. Who?
1: Gazbag, so, for example. Yep. Gazbag. I think Tracer has more seasons than I do, but took a small break. Um, Lemon Spawn was a mod before I was. Warfrat. And then CR Lundy and I came in at the same time. And I think everybody else has. Come afterwards, or all the mods that I was there have been cycled through. But there were there were far fewer mods because league was much smaller when I first joined.
0: Yeah,
1: I think when I first joined, league was two hundred thirty or so players, Mm. and and now we're up into the upper five hundreds, low six hundreds. Hello from the future. Here's a reminder to not forget that Singlety has also modded more seasons than you have
0: and it's 20 mods or 25
1: uh we're at 20 right now
0: and 20 is enough
1: yep so okay. it usually it usually comes down to about 5 to 7 divisions per mod
0: mhm so that's manageable
1: yep okay and then and then there are some mods who like to take on more divisions so cat mom for example likes to take on double digit um, Division, so every season we give her ten. Wow. So then that allows some some other mods to either take a break for a season uh from modding divisions or take on a slightly reduced load.
0: Hmm. Mom doesn't play herself, does she?
1: Uh she does. Um it's uh usually about one or two seasons on and then a season or two off from playing.
0: Oh. Because uh I notice there are like a couple mods who don't, who don't play themselves. Yep. Oh, one or two at least.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably four or five this season who are non-playing mods, but they've all played in the past and/or just taking a small break right now.
0: Hmm, makes sense. Makes sense. It's just um, it's great, like that you're doing this and like everyone else is like all the other mods. It's just it's so cool. Yeah. Setting things up and stuff. I uh, I have to go back to like Dominion questions now, but I'm much more interested (laughs) in the whole like behind the scenes stuff. But we we can go
1: in whatever direction you want.
0: (laughs) I mean, I want to know everything. You know me. I want to know all. (laughs) Yes. Um, But just, yeah. Just like the general Dominion stuff, um, do you have a favorite card-shaped object? And if so, what is it?
1: I don't really have a favorite. I have a lot of things I don't like, so maybe I'm just grumpy. <laughs> but <laughs> 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 um, I have put down, here, put down here that I do like a lot of the draw to X uh, stuff. So Watchtower, Curse Village, Jack of All Trades, uh, things that let you sort of Build up your deck once, play it, um, and either set up gaining gain and play potential, or if you just need to get through even more of your deck, you can get kind of creative with things where you you play down to your final card, and then just draw up, and here you go again. You have a whole new you have a whole new hand. So, um, I guess if I had to pick a favorite out of those, it might be Cursed Village just because it's non-terminal, and then you also sort of have that interesting decision of when you buy it um, what hexes are still there is there something that could really ruin your day Um, if you take say you take diluted early on by taking cursed village and then you can't really build up the action density you need to play cursed village as you intended to or if you have an empty deck are you going to get are you going to locusts away your cursed village that you just bought so There is a bit of swinginess to it, which I try to avoid uh, playing with. Sort of the swingy type cards, but uh, I guess in moderation it's okay. But um, if if we get to least favorite cards, there'll be a theme of the swingy cards that I like that I don't really like and or ban.
0: Mm Hmm. Actually, uh, I remember like we haven't you and I haven't played. As many games, I think just a handful. But I remember now that you're talking about it. I remember. So I used to like play Watchtower just for the um, like gain stuff on top of your deck or a trash thing. Yep. But I remember in one of our games that you just like played just what you described right now. That you would just empty your hand and then like fill it up again with Watchtower, and that's like. That's what I remember from this. I was like, ah, yes, there was this other yep. <laughs> this other ability of Watchtower, and that's interesting. Yep.
2: Hmm.
1: And then sometimes Watchtower gives you good defense against cursors or something, yeah. or if you have some way if you have some way of top decking your Watchtower, or saving yeah. it. It always helps to uh, sort of alleviate the junk coming in. Yeah. Especially if they're, especially if it's a heavy junking game.
0: Hmm. So tell me about your least favorite cards.
1: Um, well, probably irrationally, my probably my least favorite one is Advisor. Oh. I just cannot, I cannot <laughs> stand playing games with that card. Um, it's just, I always come up with the analogy that it's like playing with somebody trying to learn to drive a manual transmission for the first time. It just sets up all these, it's just constant jerkiness that you always you're just sitting there and it's like, okay, you do something. Okay, stop decision time. Oh, stop decision time. And I, I just get whiplash from playing with that card. So um if if I see somebody going for an advisor stack, I pretty much just resign the game right away. I'm I'm not gonna enjoy it. Really? I'm not gonna have fun with it. And
0: Wow. So
1: I probably just need to trans
0: So bad. I need to
1: transfer it probably from my dislike list to the ban list again it it had a, it had its moment on the ban list and then i took it off for a little bit and i think it's time to put it back
0: wow how do you like when do cards migrate from dislike to ban and back
1: um it and how often just does that happen i don't think i've updated my lists in probably six months so it doesn't happen too frequently but if there's, if there's a game or two that it really annoys me, then I might just back out and put it immediately on the ban list. <laughs>
0: okay. No more.
1: So uh, so other cards that I don't really like and that are sort of on my ban list are, again, the, the swingy type cards. So um, I have Swindler on there just because it's a complete crapshoot as to what you get trashed off the top of your deck and what you trash off the top of their deck and it's just very swingy and something that I don't really enjoy. Um, I have tournament on there just because it becomes sort of this race to who hits province first, and then if you just happen to line it up early. So like I've played a lot of games where people just beeline straight for that first province and then not even worry about building up a deck and or sort of just ignoring that. They're not doing anything else, and then poof! All of a sudden, they'll, off the top of their first shuffle, they'll hit province tournament, and then all of a sudden they have followers, and things mm. just snowball out of control. There,
2: mm.
1: um, I have possession on there just because nobody really likes that card, <laughs> and I think I've played one game with it, and one game was enough. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think what else I have on my. Ban listing cards that I don't like. Um, oh, I guess the other one that might not be a popular opinion is groom. Um, I just, I just don't like it's, the rushes that it sets okay. up. It just, it it's just J-Nails, becomes so, isn't it? No, I have nothing against nails. Okay, but it's just if there's if there's groom on the board and any sort of alt VP for four or less or any green for four or less, it's just. Becomes one of those things that it's just not a very interesting game because both players are going to rush it, mm. and it just becomes—it just comes down to shuffle luck.
0: Mm. I see. And then I,
1: I guess I also joined the uh, JSH uh, Angst against Chariot Race.
0: Oh, I don't that, know about this. I don't know yeah, about this.
1: He's, he's not a fan of Chariot Race, and every... Probably every other game, I become not a very big fan of Chariot Race, again, just because, oh, I'm going to have one Copper in my deck, and of course that's going to be the one on top, and the my opponent wins six Chariot Races because of that. And then it just sort of tips the scales in a way that there was really nothing you can do about it. Sure, maybe you could have gotten rid of that seventh Copper, but hmm. if... If their deck has five and yours has one, and then it gets really annoying and frustrating when
2: theirs
1: is their coppers never are on top and yours always seems to be.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Maybe I just haven't played enough games against people. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I don't have anything banned. I don't have anything disliked, I think. Um, I only have like a liked list. And Chariot Race used to be on it. I think I switched it a couple months back, but I don't know what I switched it for.
1: See, we're the complete opposite. My like list is empty, and then all of my... <laughs> Maybe just goes back to me being grumpy.
0: <laughs> oh, you're not grumpy. <laughs> Do you have a favorite um, heirloom?
1: I was thinking about that a bit. I think I came down to cursed gold because um, Hot take. it sort of sets up it it sets up some interesting decisions, I think. So if you're okay. on a board that has if you're on a board that has limited trashing, there's always that mm-hmm. question of do I spend the $3 and take the curse that I may or may not be able to ever get rid of mm-hmm. to hit some price point or do I just keep it in my deck as a curse itself because you're never going to be able to play it. But then there are other boards where you can get rid of those curses pretty easily, but you can also get rid of the cursed gold early. And do you want to get rid of your cursed gold and let your opponent take all the curses which they can get rid of, but then at the end of the day they have have an extra gold in their deck that may help them, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: whereas you may be able to build up a little bit faster in a different way by getting rid of it and not worrying about taking the curses as the game goes along.
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. And
1: then, and then I also just really like trashing, so pairing Puka with it to get rid of some early coppers and get some of the trashing in is always kind of nice.
0: Okay, but goat is not not among the favorites.
1: I honestly forgot about goat.
0: Goat, goat better? nah.
1: Goat might be better.
2: You, okay. may have, you may have tripped me
1: up here. <laughs> yeah, because cause then you also get Pixie along with it, which is yes, always interesting of figuring out when to pop, when not to pop. Mm-hmm. So we'll put them as a tie. Curse Golden Goat.
2: Okay. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Do you have a um, favorite combo?
1: I'm not really big into the combos, mostly because I don't really know the theory on them very well so i i know i know that they exist Mm -hmm. but not necessarily how to play them properly or know them well enough to have a favorite Mm -hmm. but but some things some of them i'm not really don't really care for all that much like the lurker hunting grounds ones is another one where it comes down to just sort of luck as to where you're if you pair your lurkers towards the top of shuffles or if you if you miss out on one because it bottom decks, so you only get it once through your second shuffle instead of twice. So I guess there aren't any um, combos that I'm really fond of. Um, I could circle back to things that play nicely with Cursed Village as one of my favorite things. Just sort of
2: mm-hmm. just
1: sort of action. Either it, it doesn't even have to be non-terminal actions. That just things that you can do. And then um, build back up and sort of replenish your hand.
0: Is there any combination that would make Advisor tolerable?
1: Snowy Village, because you can only play four of them afterwards.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you yourself, you
1: would never touch Advisor? I touch it every once in a while, but I don't like myself. You feel dirty
0: afterwards? I I feel very (laughs) dirty
1: afterwards. But <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's, it's a necessary evil. I see. <laughs> I think after I think after this interview, I may not play another advisor game again, and I'll have to adjust my ban list.
0: <laughs> I see. What have I done?
1: <laughs> You've helped me.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's therapy. Um, yes. <laughs> so, you're going to the Lonely Island, and you can only bring base and one other expansion what would the expansion be
1: it would be nocturne yay it introduced so many fun new mechanics and so much more variety into the into the game so between night cards boons hexes um sort of the heirlooms so if you're if you're stuck on a lonely island for a long time you're gonna need some sort of variety to Mm -hmm. Uh, to break up the monotony of just being by yourself on an island. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. But I mean, I just. You kind of have to have another person, right, to be able to play. Against, I haven't quite. There may be some holes to this question, but. <laughs> Nocturne, yay!
1: So you're stuck on <laughs> you're stuck on a lonely island with you. Base one expansion and your best friend.
0: Yes, yes, that sounds so, great.
1: <laughs> but yeah, just but just the number of new things that were introduced by Nocturne hmm. um, makes it quite fun and uh, quite interesting. Um, I feel like with some of the other expansions, you could get a little, a little sick and tired of playing with certain cards and. And then also, I'm trying to think that there are very few duds in Nocturne. I can't really think of too many cards that were just would be cards that I never really buy from Nocturne. Hmm. Whereas, like, like there are certain weak cards that I can think of for most other expansions, but maybe not off the top of my head for Nocturne.
0: Probably, but
1: I could be overlooking something.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm I'm really bad with the uh, different expansions, but yeah, I'm Conclave, I'm looking at it now. Yeah,
1: maybe Night Watchman, but even that has its uses at times.
0: Yeah, Conclave but definitely has through. my most favorite card, which is Conclave. So it's um, yep. the expansion of my heart. <laughs> what are your favorite non-league tournaments?
1: Um, I've been a big fan of the mixed tournaments. Uh mostly because uh the the curated lists are usually very well put together, uh, because Donald X is heavily involved in putting together those lists. So um I feel like he has a pretty good handle on the game and what would and what plays well with each other. So and it always leads to some um very interesting kingdoms and things that um, usually you're using most of the kingdom itself as opposed to on random random type games where uh, there might be a, a Philosopher's Stone on the board or there might be some other card that doesn't really fit in with the general strategy. But usually the mixes, you can build up a, build up a deck using six to seven of the cards. And usually uh, the mixes bring out a bunch of players that I enjoy playing with. And a lot of people that I, it gives you the opportunity to play against people that you don't normally get to play against, like in league or something, just because of where, where you fall in the, in the pyramid. And mm. outside of that, uh, the, the quarantine cups are, are fun to play in when I am able to play in them. Um, it's sort of nice having the, the rapid fire set of games where you, you go in and you know you're going to get five to 10 games in within two hours.
2: Mm-hmm. outside
1: of that i haven't really been able to play in too many tournaments lately um the size games are are fun to play in just because you get a whole bunch of matches against people that are very similar skill levels so uh, typically you see a lot of tied matches 2-2s uh, getting getting that 3-1 is uh, very important in one in a match or two just because everybody's going to be so even and think Things come down to the wire, standings-wise.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of too many other tournaments that I've played lately.
0: I had, like, for one of the warm-ups, I had um, Q-Cup or Game Night. But I felt like I I would know the answer, so I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it would be Game Night, I guess.
1: yeah. Get to play a whole bunch of other games and
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> see see pe- see people in real life again. Yeah, not just through not just through webcams. Yeah,
0: where you don't even see them. Yep. Just sad, always sad. Um, do you have any players you are always looking forward to playing against?
1: I guess I I really enjoy playing against sort of the the top level players just because Mm -hmm. I don't really have anybody by name, but just sort of people in leagues A through C, just because um, you always learn something if you're playing, play people who are better than you, small little thing, like Mm -hmm. small little mistakes that you make really cost you the game. And so uh, you can, you can learn a lot from playing against people who are better than you. And um, Mm -hmm. there's just something about the, Listening to the commentary and watching the games gives you a feel for that, but it, it's really a different story when you're on the other side of the table from them. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I guess I will name one, but there was, there was a match for Quad E that I had against N.A. Smith recently where I got swept 4-0, but it kind of forced me to really pay attention to deck tracking and sort of tracking my deck and his deck. And I feel like I played pretty well in that match, but there was just one or two mistakes I made each game mm-hmm. that directly led to him winning, winning the game. So, mm-hmm. But I feel like it really helped me sort of understand what you need to do to be one of the better players in the game. And anytime I get a chance to do that against a quality player, it really forces me to slow down a little bit and think about those types of things. Mm-hmm and hopefully it'll pay off in the long term.
2: Is there
0: anyone you haven't played against yet but who you would love to play?
1: So I I th- I was going through the list and I think probably Akuchi is the is one of the few that I haven't really played against in any of the mixed tournaments or
2: mm. anywhere
1: else on ladder or anything cuz we've we've been in the same tournaments but we've never really paired up and I have I've always enjoyed listening to his commentary and watching his videos. It'd be, it'd be fun to play against him just because mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like we, mm-hmm. it would be both sort of a good learning experience, a new experience. And then also probably if I was lucky enough post game to sort of have any sort of discussions, uh, he's one that I think has a very good grasp on the strength of cards and the theory behind sort of the combos and mm-hmm. those sorts of things. So mm-hmm. it, it'd be fun to, to get a match in with him and see where things go.
0: Okay, so um, we're putting out the call for Akuji. <laughs> yes.
1: So if, if you're listening, Aku, let's play.
0: <laughs> Do you have any recent memorable moments or matches that you'd like to share?
1: So I was kind of going through, and there there were two that really came to mind. Um, one of them was uh, Hinterland's mixed match I had against Marcus. Uh, this was two just over two years ago um it was back when i was sort of a punching bag for all the good players and for most people that i was playing against um and this was it's not really like a highly successful match it was but it was the first time that i had sort of taken a game off of one of these off of one of like the a through c players so um it it wound up being a two to two match and i had found one or two pile outs to help seal the win, so it was it was kind of nice. It kind of gave me sort of the idea that hey, if if the stars align, I can I can compete in, against some mm-hmm. of these better players, and so mm-hmm. just sort of getting that confidence that you can that you have a shot that you're not just going to get four would or six would every time, and uh, sort of waste waste their time playing against people <laughs> that. <laughs> Oh, no, Where where they'd be better off playing against Lord Raddington No <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Don't so, say that
1: So that's that's just sort of a, a Small one but then probably the most memorable One was uh, the Nocturne Mix Finals I think it was last mm. year That I played against Burning Skull So it's the only mixed tournament Or any major tournament that I've ever won So the final is obviously memorable For that reason but then it was sort of an interesting story as to how I got there.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it was a round robin preliminary match where I think there were 32 people, and you got paired up randomly against four players.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then then the top 16 would make it to the quarterfin- or make it to the uh, knockout stage. So I played well in the knockout or in the preliminaries and made it to the round of 16. I actually won the first match. Um, and then in the quarterfinals, I lost in a game five to get eliminated. But then there was an issue with scheduling for the player who knocked me out wasn't able to schedule or missed a couple matches. So then I was resurrected from the dead,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: kind of which was kind of fitting that in Nocturne Mix, I I became a zombie player <laughs> instead of a instead of a mason or an apprentice.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: then I. I wound up winning the semifinal match to set up the finals with Burning Skull, mm-hmm. and so um, we wound up going to a game five with, um, and it was sort of a interesting way of or an interesting board where it was it was a Horn of Plenty board, but it also had uh, it had Cursed Village on it, and there was the Teacher line, so the Peasant line, mm-hmm. and we sort of went divergent strategies. Burning Skull was going for the Horn of Plenty, Mega Turn, and then I decided just to I decided to kind of just have a little bit of fun and tried playing this uh, low level Traveler's deck with Cursed Village. So it was I had a lot of Cursed Villages, Peasants, Soldiers, and Disciples. So I think I wound up at one point having all five Soldiers and one or two Peasants. Wow! So I was able to like play a Cursed Village, play a play a Soldier curse village and just sort of build up uh chaining up the attacks on that i still have no idea which way was the correct way to go direction wise to go for the mega turn (laughs) i i remember watching (laughs) burning skulls uh video on it afterwards and he had a couple unfortunate duds in a couple in game four and then in game five where i think his mega turn would have hit so Mm -hmm. hearing hearing his sadness on the other end Kind of made me feel really guilty about it, but <laughs> but it, it's still it's still oh, no. it's still memorable to get your first tournament win. Um, it, it's just one of those. Definitely. It was just one of those things where everything went everything that had to go right went right. But, yeah, but it, it was nice to actually win a tournament for once.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: So I think also
0: I feel like it's like it's just part of the game. Yep. like I also always feel kind of bad when i feel like i haven't won because of my ability but because of luck but then i'm like luck plays its part as well yeah like so i'm i'm kind of more more accepting of that now
1: yeah so i think there's even a youtube comment from me on bernie skull's video like sorry
2: (laughs) oh
0: did he reply
1: Yep, he did.
0: Okay. <laughs> so, but
1: but it, it, was, it like, was pretty see, funny.
0: Never. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, it it was pretty funny, like a day or two later I was playing on ladder and then I auto matched it to somebody and um, the first thing they said was revenge for B Skull. So I think it was what? I think it was what I think it was one of his fans or something, or one of the people who watches his videos. <laughs> So like, it wasn't even like a high or anything. It was just revenge for B-Skull. Oh,
0: come on. That's rude. It was, it was cute, but...
1: Yeah. I had no issue with it. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. That's so, so bizarre. People. Can we talk about modding now? Of course, anything. Can we finally talk about the modding? <laughs> hey,
1: you, you, could have, you could have let off with that. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, just in general, for someone who has no idea about modding, so me, can yep. you <laughs> explain what that entails?
1: Okay, so I guess I'll start with sort of how we have things structured Um so we have we have a running spreadsheet that has a list of various tasks that have to um, happen during the season, uh, between setting setting things up, getting,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, sending out messages, turning on and off triggers to remind like the check-in reminders and the matches played, the scheduling and stuff. There are various things there that mods can sign up for to do these sort of random extra tasks, but the or like the main sort of description for mods is to be available for two meetings a season. So we have a rules meeting every season and a setup meeting every season. Uh, So the rules meeting is where we sort of talk about the feedback that we received on the returning form um, questions that we ask town hall things. And that's where we discuss any rules changes we want to make, have votes on those, And then the setup meeting is where we get Discord set up, get all the divisions set up and those things. So that's one thing for a mod task is sort of to be available or at least be able to contribute after the meeting or before the meeting um, ideas for those. And then sort of the main one is uh, looking over divisions. So typically a mod will have five to seven divisions per season, and then they're responsible for... Making sure people are showing up, making sure people are scheduling their matches, resolving any conflicts that come up, um, which luckily are relatively rare. Mm. And then uh, we have other channels set up where if a mod has a question about, okay, here's something that came up, what do you think or what would what do other people think should happen here? So sort of being being available to mm. weigh in on various other issues that pop up for other mods or... Um, Also for yourself, I guess in summary, the main things are um, two meetings a season, uh, look over five to seven divisions, and then just contribute to discussions on any rules changes or issues that pop up. And then sort of the extra things are signing up for the one-time tasks uh, each season.
0: So... Assemble Me wanted to know how long it takes you to set up a season, and I think we should mention here that Assemble Me had has also been a mod for a long time and also been like the admin mod, yeah. but you two the two of yeah, you didn't overlap, I think.
1: No. He was the admin mod, I think, for seasons fourteen through twenty six. I believe it was Steph for Seasons 1 through 13, then Assemble Me did 13 seasons, and then Sam E did 17, I think, 17 or 19. It was one of those two. So I, I just know that Sam broke the, the string of mm-hmm. people doing 13 seasons. Mm-hmm. I don't, that's, not, that's not necessarily written into any rules or bylaws or anything. It just, it just so happened that the first two went for 13 seasons each. And then back to the question of how long it takes, it's sort of a tough question to uh, sort of parse out because there, there are a few different parts that go into setting up a season. So there's the, there's the onboarding process. So, for, so when people sign up, we get their sign up through, through the form, and then there's a team of mods that work on onboarding them. So there's the, uh, we send out questions to make sure that we have their sign-up details correct, and that, and just a few um, questions to make sure they know what they're getting themselves into. So, we we ask things like, what table settings do you change for a match? What expansions are used? And what's the third one?
0: There's always this this question like, how many matches do you play in a season? Which like fools yep. everyone.
1: It's not meant to trip people up.
0: I and, know, but it. Still does. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: I can't remember what the third question is off the top of my head that we ask, but I guess I, I don't do much of the onboarding. We yeah. have a lot of we have a lot of people who volunteer for that and do a great job with it. Mm. Um, but so there's there's that process. So uh, that that happens over the course of two weeks. So mm-hmm. um, ev- every day we have a new batch of people that we message, and then they have two days to respond before we give them a nudge. And then if they don't respond within the seven days, we say, okay, um, can you re-sign up? Just because we kind of use that as a test to make sure that people are responsive to messages. So that when it comes time to schedule matches, um, we have some idea that they'll be responsive and get things scheduled and played. So I guess Mm -hmm. onboarding is a, is a two week process. Maybe 15 minutes a half hour a day depending on how many people uh, are signed up for that given day and uh, looking over those things and then uh, there's the setup meeting where we have um, the team of mods together to assign discord roles post all the opening messages that meeting usually takes about two-ish hours once all the divisions are set and then um Starting about five or six seasons ago, I guess we haven't got there yet. But we have a a chair system where uh, there are different mods that are uh, sort of committee chairs for various aspects of the league thing. So, like, we have an onboarding chair, so someone to oversee the onboarding process and make sure things get done. Um, And then there's a setup chair, which I am also the setup chair, Um, and. The setup chair is sort of responsible for overseeing the entire setup process. So there's the
2: mm-hmm.
1: ex, there's the play in matches, figuring out how many divisions there are going to be in each tier, uh, getting people setting up the divisions for each tier. Um, and I've started doing a third meeting, what I, what we call a pre setup meeting, to get all the divisions set. Usually a day before we bring all the mod team together because uh, there's, there's some fine-tuning that has to go into setting up the divisions that when it, when it used to be part of the official setup meeting, it would take five or six hours because there's only so many things that can be done at once and updated at once. So it really bogged down the setup meeting. So that used to take five to six hours. But now with this pre-setup meeting, Um, it usually takes about Mm -hmm. two hours before the setup meeting. And then the setup meeting itself takes about two hours. So I would say it's about four hours of actual meeting time of the group getting together. But, um, Mm -hmm. then there's also various other tasks and components that go into setting up the season. So, like I said, division counts, play in matches, um, setting up the various uh forms like the the check-in form the the results form that everybody gets at the top of their channels and so if you add up all those little things i would say probably 15 to 20 hours a year or a season to set up a to set up the entire season but it's not all at once and it's spread out over one to two weeks
0: but, like, 15 to 20 hours per person, or...?
1: Uh, of total time.
0: Okay. But people do, like... So... N- not everyone does the same amount of stuff.
1: Right. Okay. So... For... With everybody there, or the time where everybody's there is about two to three hours for the official setup meeting, where... Once that's done, that's when everybody starts getting their alert saying, "Here's your division. Here's your division." Mm-hmm. And then the typically that pre-setup meeting is the night before. So I guess a little insight is typically the divisions are set a day before everybody sees them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But
0: with the exception of like A, B,
1: yeah, um, A and B. Uh, if if a tier is entirely full, usually we try and get them their divisions early, just so they can have the extra weekend to play. Yeah. So like so like in the case of this season, uh, A through C all got their divisions um, on the Tuesday before the season, mm-hmm. because we we were full without any need for a play in match for any openings. Mm-hmm. But typically we don't do that if we don't know the entire set of divisions sure and we can't really do it early because we want to give people who are doing play in matches as much time as possible to play before we need to officially know what divi- what tier they're going to be in
0: mhm how does it happen like how do flex divisions happen cuz i i just noticed that we have like a seven player b division this season
1: those only happen in two cases. One is if we have an influx of players returning from a break.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: if some like this season uh, we had one person coming back from a break in B, or who would have who was in B, and and we had all of the returning players um, that were going to be in B all returned. So, they we wound up having thirteen people with. Um, a spot in B Mm -hmm. so we had to make one flex division out of that and then the same thing happened in C where we had I think we had six or seven people returning from a break in C who Mm -hmm. all had a spot in C and so we wound up having two flex divisions in C so that's the first case where you would get somebody where you would get a flex division
0: I didn't even notice for C Ah. I just noticed for B yeah. Oh, no. And
1: then um, the only other case where we would create a flex division is if somebody comes, if there's a new player who hasn't played before um, and they're super highly rated, mm-hmm. we have a set of what we call strict cutoffs yeah. for if you, so if you're, I think for C it's 63 and above. So if you're rated 63 or higher as a new player, you're always going to go into C and then if there are if there are already twenty four returning players in C, that would create a flex division as well, or if there's some combination of highly rated new players and players returning from a break. So, at what
0: point do you create like a, an additional division?
1: I guess that's that's the one exception is that if there if we've already flexed all divisions, then we we tell the Highly rated new player, either we're going to have to slot you down into a lower tier, or you can wait till next season to, if you want to go directly into that one, because huh. we'll never have more than one A division, two Bs, four Cs, or four Ds. Mm-hmm. Those those are always maximum division counts.
2: Okay.
1: And and then there'll never be a division of more than seven players. Okay. So. So, like in C and D with four divisions, the most players that we'll ever have there is twenty-eight.
2: Okay.
1: We've luckily never got to the point where we're overfull. There was a time where we were overstuffed, but that was before we had flex divisions. So, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I think we, I think we had somebody once who would have been in B, but there wasn't enough space in B or C, and they wound up starting in D.
0: Wow, okay, were they mad?
1: No, and they didn't even win their d division, so okay, so it it wasn't the end of the world in that case,
0: yeah, interesting, interesting. assemble me also wanted to know how you wound up being the admin setup overall yep mod boss, yep, so
1: as I mentioned before, we have what's called these committee chairs and the, um, admin, the admin chair is one of those, is one of the chairs. Um, I think in total we have nine chair positions now Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and, and every season there's, um, there's the opportunity, um, there's a post that goes out that says at, at the setup meeting, these four chairs will turn over. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: then it asks like, does the current chair wish to continue on? Yes or no? Um, and is there anybody who either wants to? Is there anybody who wants to run for the chair, and either challenge the current chair if they if they choose if they want to return, or if the current chair is leaving, um, not get nominated to be considered for that chair position. So every every meeting there is either four or five chairs up for vote or if there is a challenge and or a vacancy. And so the admin chair is just one of those chair positions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and so um a couple seasons before uh I became admin chair, uh Sammy was beginning a move across the world. So he had said a couple seasons before that I'm gonna be stepping down as admin chair um just to sort of start the transition process. And so when the admin chair became open, um, it just I went through the same process where there was a nomination process. Um, I was nominated, seconded, and I accepted the, the nomination. There were a couple other nominations, and then it wound up going to a vote of the current mods, and uh, they chose me. Yay! And so... Every season, there's the opportunity for any chair to step aside or any chair to be challenged. So um, each season, there's a chance that somebody else may want to be the admin mod or people aren't happy with what I'm doing. or So uh, there haven't been any challenges to date. Um, I'm not trying. It's not like I'm saying don't challenge me or anything. Um, it did. <laughs> I think it's so... At any at any season, there may be a, a new chair anywhere across the board, including in the admin chair. Well,
0: I don't know. I don't have like too much insight into this, but I feel like I'd be I'd be surprised if people were like not happy with what you're doing because you're doing <laughs> like so much and like you're happy to do like so much and so much more. Um, than just the regular league stuff. So, um, yeah.
1: yeah. And I, I guess I'll also say that the admin mod isn't. So sort of, we're all on the same level playing field. Sure. It's just sort of the like like the admin mod, sort of like one of the main sort of like we have a chair manual with like the duties and things. It's it makes it sound like it's this super official thing, but you know, we it's just to sort of keep records of things. And basically, uh, one of one of the main tasks of the admin mod is there's there's two main ones to to run most to organize the meetings and sort of keep them on track and the other one is to be sort of the the backstop catch-all like if if something's not done or like making making sure that things that need to get done get done so Mm. um, it's not it's not like I have any more power than anybody else or anything so it's just that (laughs) Um it's it's mostly an oversight position just to keep things moving along and uh keeping track of jobs that are sort of loose ends to get those tied up.
0: Mm, magic. Yes. Um how often do you have to step in when there are conflicts between players?
1: Uh thankfully there aren't any real there the major ones are pretty rare um the The biggest conflicts that we usually get are with scheduling issues mm.
2: like,
1: so player a is trying to get in touch with player B who doesn't respond all that often mm. or things so uh that's usually where we see most of the friction in a in a division any year, or I keep saying year in a season
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, so um sometimes they'll just be. I'd say maybe there are for for each. At least for me in the divisions I mod, there's maybe four or five times a year where I have to step in and sort of uh, message a player on another player's behalf, like saying, "Hey, they've been trying to schedule with you. There's not a
2: mm.
1: uh, they're trying to get their matches in, and we haven't heard from you." Um, and typically, sometimes, and typically, those will also come when there's sort of no activity from that player in the division channel. So sometimes I'd say there's maybe four or five of those cases a season that I run into. I'm not sure if that's the same across all mods. Um, But again, those are very minor, and it's usually just a, oh, I forgot, my I didn't have Discord notifications on, I'll get right in there. and Usually those Mm -hmm. resolve themselves pretty quickly. Mm
2: -hmm. And then
1: I'd say maybe on the major front, there's maybe one major conflict per season across the entire league um Hmm. which given the size i think that's pretty good that there's only like one Mm -hmm. and it's not it's not even every season that there's this major blow up or or something that happens that uh, causes a whole bunch of issues but so yeah i'd say maybe on average one a season
0: And is that like more in the lower divisions where people don't really know each other Um, or maybe are like
2: newer? I
1: I think it's fairly spread out, but the the type of conflict that arises is different across the tiers. So Mm. I think in the upper tiers, it more goes towards people trying to find loopholes in rules or, Trying to oh. or trying to like game the system in some way. Oh,
0: interesting! And then, and then
1: in the lower ones, um, it's sometimes more of swearing at your opponent in chat or what? Being uncivil in uh, <gasps> in your division channel. So,
0: whoa, okay, that that thankfully hasn't happened to me so, yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, those. Like I said, we we have like league wide it's it's very it's a very nice community it's very it very civil and so but with with any group of 600 people yeah. there's always going to be some there's always going to be some friction that comes up or sure, sure,
2: sure.
1: um some some small crisis or big crisis yeah. but yeah
0: uh,
1: i i think we're pretty fortunate to be as To be as tame as we are, given the size.
0: I agree. I agree. I only had, like, this is my seventh season now. And I only had, like, one incident. It's not even a conflict. It was just, like, someone being, like, an opponent being, like, annoyed at me because I won. And and they... I mean, they approached me about it. And then I notified our moderator... And the moderator was like, yeah, the person already talked to me about it and I I told them to let it go. I was like, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, so like yeah, so again, like the, the biggest issues that come up are just mostly scheduling and communication. Yeah. And yeah. those are
0: I mean, those things can be like really annoying. Yeah. They're really annoying too. But anyway. Um I was curious if there was like any if there has ever been any like major catastrophe behind the scenes that like no one ever noticed because it was behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. Um, The biggest catastrophes are usually when our Google sheets breaks. Uh So that can sometimes, luckily it it's always been recoverable, Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: uh, there'll be times when a whole bunch of links will break or uh, the, the sheet goes down entirely, but luckily, a lot of the sort of alerts that go off are contained to just moderator channels, so like we're we're the only ones that'll see it. But um, I, there was one time, I think three seasons ago, where um, when we went to the randomized seating, um, there's a there's sort of a set of Sheets that go into putting people into the divisions that they're supposed to be, and um, we pair each player up with a random number, and then use that to sort people to put them in divisions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was one time, I think I think it was three seasons ago, where the order of players got mixed up, so everybody got assigned a different random number than what we had built all the divisions with and sent out all of the all the messages for. So, so on our back end, everybody with, oh, eighty 80% of the league was in a wrong division. Oh no. And so it's like, we, we were getting alerts everywhere saying this person's in the wrong division. They have the wrong role. This person's in the oh wrong no. division. They have the wrong role. So <gasps> no, nobody sees that because, um, it's, it's restricted to only mods who can see that. But yeah, I, but like it it tags the person so we so it's easy to click the person and assign them the role. So all the League mods were getting tagged every two hours. All of the oh no. Discord mods were getting tagged every two hours because they can see those <laughs> channels. And all the admins were getting tagged every two hours until <laughs> until, we, until we could figure out how to fix it. But oh no. l- l- luckily that's been fixed now so that something that catastrophic won't happen again. So yeah, there'll be times when um, somebody enters... Um, text in the wrong in the wrong spot in a sheet and then it it breaks a bunch of formulas but Mm -hmm. those are those are easy to fix now um
0: i'm always like mortally afraid when i do the standings calculation stuff and i have to remember like to copy to paste like values only and stuff um and i'm always like okay focus focus (laughs) don't break anything (laughs)
1: I haven't, I haven't put that alert in for you saying, are you sure you want to edit this? Because uh, there's, there's an there's an option for that that says, there's a thing that says, like, you can, you can protect cells and say, okay. if somebody tries to do this, give them an alert to say, do you really want to do this?
0: Uh, I remember it came up, like, the very first time you showed me how to, like, yeah. work with it. And, and I was petrified. really scared, <laughs> and send you a screenshot, and you were like, "No, no, no, you're safe." <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so far, I hope I hope I haven't broken anything so far. But I guess you would, you would have told me.
1: I, I haven't noticed. I, I turned that over to you, and then I never looked at it again.
0: Okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Um, so you, you're not only like the league mod, but you also modded the Dominion Online Championship and you modded the World Cups or you will not the World Cup and you've modded like other tournaments as well. Um, what has been so far the most fun tournament for you to mod?
1: I think the most recent one probably was the masked player. Uh-huh. That was that one was really fun to do. Mm-hmm. Um was Sapien was the real mastermind behind everything and I was excited to offer up and be able to help because uh it was it was just a lot of fun. A lot of the logistics behind it was fun to do and just sort of seeing people's reactions to trying to guess who people were. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can, you, was, was can a, you
0: talk a little more about like how you set this up? Because yep. so, like you told me that even the players didn't know who they were playing.
1: Right. H- how did so, that work? So in the setup process, we wound up having we wound up getting the the sixteen alt accounts on, uh, on the client, and then we had, I think five or six volunteers to offer to get subscriptions for those sixteen accounts.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so before the tournament started, we created the accounts and. Uh, had a one month subscription on all of them ready to go. And then once we confirmed the players, um, we gave we gave each we DM'd each player with their account, with the account and then a current dummy password so that they could that they could log in and confirm that they had a subscription and then um, it just said edit the password so that you have sole access to this account. And so that was before the tournament. And then for each for each round, uh, one, once the pairings were made, um, we made an individual uh, Google Doc for each matchup. So it would be like Mommy Lender versus Twenty Eight Turns Later would have a sheet just so that um, any communication could be done via that. So we would mm-hmm. we would we would send each player, or since we knew who each person was, we would send them a DM saying here's your opponent, and here's a Google Doc that you can use to schedule with. So that way they never had to go on the Discord to message right. anybody. So it would just be like instead of a DM chain, it was just a chain inside of a, a Google Doc saying, hey, I'm available these days, these times.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: uh, people wound up scheduling through that, and they, then it was, they could just log in on the client and play against their mystery player.
0: Mm -hmm. how did you go about choosing the players and how many how many declined
1: Um, or like
0: for various reasons
1: so cave was the one who wrangled up all the players so um i think maybe there were four or five who couldn't do it Mm -hmm. but everybody else was said yes and was able to play but i am not a hundred percent sure how the original list was designed of who to invite i kind of i kind of came in after the invites were sent out for um modding and sheets assistance i see but and then like there were only one or two times where i had to um where like 28 turns later would dm me and saying hey i haven't heard from mummy lender and then i would just Mm -hmm. i would send the dm to whoever mummy lender Mm -hmm. was and say could you lock could could you just make sure to log in and check this? Or there there were a couple of times where there had to be last minute schedule or time changes but like, hey, I'm gonna be an hour late. So they would mm-hmm. send me the message and I would just send directly so because there's there was no alert as to when the Google Doc was updated. Ah, so yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, so, yeah, that makes sense. So fun.
1: I think I think the hardest thing was not giving up who players were. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, like, like people would be speculating and chat, be like, I think it's this, I think it's this. And I'm like, mm, I don't think you're right.
0: <laughs> think again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not everybody can be J-Nails.
0: I mean, J-Nails was so obvious. <laughs> yeah. I felt like, I don't know. But you came up with the little, you came up with the little blurps, right? Yep. So they were very lovely. They were very cute.
1: That's that's about the extent of the creativity in my mind.
0: I mean, it's, um, quite some. <laughs> Not too bad. Wanted to know, given all the work that you do, how do you stay motivated?
1: So I guess one of the things that keeps me sort of interested in motivating this is I really like, organization of things and sort of like fitting pieces together of this is just like a general thing so like solving solving problems where you have to you have all these different components and you have to put them together to make them work and so sort of Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that general sort of pattern fits well with what you have to do for moderating and tournament organization so Mm -hmm. so like 've been able to I've been able to moderate things that and various components of league that I'm in charge of or have a hand in are all things that um that I genuinely like to do so like putting people into divisions sort of fitting all the puzzle pieces together of time zones and levels and um, just sort of that optimization of things it's very interesting to me and um keeps me motivated just because I enjoy doing it. That's the sort of the, the math nerd in me. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so, um, so I guess that's one thing that helps keep me motivated is that I'm doing things that I like to do and things that I'm interested in. And then a second motivating factor is um, sort of any community that I'm in or any sort, any group that I'm in, I like to be a positive contributor to that uh, sort of environment in that community. And so um, in the Dominion community, I know I'm by far from one of the better players or one of the best players. So I'm never going to be able to really contribute sort of high quality games or new theory or some groundbreaking Mm -hmm. insights into things. So then it's kind of, where do I carve out a way to do something positive for other people in the community? And I think Mm -hmm. putting on these sorts of tournaments or helping organize tournaments or helping keep things together is a way to sort of give back in a positive way. And so I, I enjoy watching other people having fun playing these tournaments, um, enjoying, mm-hmm. enjoying themselves. So just sort of the idea of giving back and giving some of my time to – so I, if I can give five minutes of my time to give 500 people an hour of enjoyment, that's extremely fulfilling to me and something that I enjoy doing.
0: Oh, we are just so lucky. We are so lucky to have you.
1: <laughs> and then I guess there's like one or two messages a year that, or again, a year, season, that I'll get a message from somebody in a division that I'm moderating saying thank you that they had fun. And just sort of those small little snippets mm. are something that are extremely motivating and keeps me coming back for more. Ah.
0: Okay, so a note to everyone who's playing in league, um, send notes to your moderators. <laughs> I always, I think, I always do this for the, is it the check-in form, like one of the forms where you're asking for like feedback, yeah. and I always, I'm like, thank you for organizing, you are great.
1: <laughs> That's a returning form.
0: Uh, the returning form, yeah. Yep hmm you are also like a discord admin right yep how did that happen
1: i just randomly got a dm one day from jsh saying do you want to be an admin
0: okay <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't say no
1: there's five of us now i think there's usually six but i'm not 100 percent sure on what it is but they try and have people who are admins sort of with different, that have their finger on the pulse of different parts of the discord server. So um, it's not necessarily because like with so many channels, they're not going to be able to monitor every single thing. And so ah. like, I don't think it's necessarily here. I know it's not necessarily a thing that, the League admin is also a Discord admin, but it helps that to have somebody who has their finger on the pulse of what's going on with League and will know if there are any issues going on there that would escalate to a, um, a server-wide issue, kind of having an idea of what's going on there. And so... That makes um, so
0: much sense.
1: So, like, I know that there are a lot of channels that, I never go into, but I know that like JSH and Donald Axe are big into the music scene. So like if there are any issues that go on into there, um, they'll see issues that pop up there that I necessarily won't because mm. um, it's just a an area that I'm not in. Or if there's something in variants that pops up, there might be somebody, there might be an admin who goes into that channel.
0: Mm-hmm. so. Okay. Yeah,
1: but, that makes sense. So it's it's kind of a since I think I was the I think I'm the junior admin right now. So the the most recent one, and I think if another admin comes in, they'll be like, "Who do you think has a good a good handle on the sort of community standards and isn't afraid to kick kick somebody out if you have to?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of a a meeting of the minds of the admins mm-hmm. to see who to who to bring on up
0: i see so interesting are we good time wise or do we have to
1: no i've got nothing okay um
0: because shanahan is going to be sad if i don't ask um this question shanahan said your current avatar is the mountain pass Do you consider yourself the best Mountain Pass guesser in the game?
1: Well, Sean is going to be very disappointed because I am pretty bad with Mountain Pass.
0: I don't Um, think he's going to be disappointed. I think he's going to be relieved. I think he wanted to, like, um, how do you say that? Maybe start a feud here. Yeah. No luck, Sean. No luck.
1: No. I just, like, I like winter. I live near the mountains and that's about (laughs) all it comes from. <laughs> um, I gen- generally, am quite terrible with it because I usually just go with the standard 12 or 13 and move on. So, um, I don't really understand when to bid more, when to bid less. I think once in my life have I bid 40 just because I knew that I was going to be able to end it next turn, but I pretty much only go with 12, 13 or 40. i think those i think those are the only things i've ever bid so
0: safe
1: (laughs) shawnahan can continue to wear the crown of best mountain mountain pass bitter
0: well maybe not bitter but like predict what is the noun for predictor yeah yeah Um, had another question that I didn't send to you because you have to, you're not allowed to prepare for it. So Shanahan asks you, your former avatar was, I believe for the New York Yankees baseball team. Can you explain why touching second base when turning a double play should not be
1: necessary? It should always be necessary. You actually have to complete the force out and the only way to get the force out is to physically touch the base. I think I'm not sure. I'm sure there's some game or some play that happened where the Yankees were the beneficiaries of a missed call or something that he might be bitter about, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay. But the, the rules as written say in order to get a force out, which you would on the front end of a double play, say you have to physically touch the base. And so for the, for the non-baseball folks, A force out.
0: (laughs) That's me. Thank you.
1: (laughs) So if you have a runner, you know that there's four bases in baseball, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. I think you you told me about
1: those. So if there's a runner on first base and the batter is running towards first base, the runner on first has to start running to second base. And there's what's called a force play there, where if a runner is forced to a base because another runner is behind them, if the defending team throws the ball and and while the while the player is physically holding the ball touches the base, that's called a force out. So if if the defending player is holding the ball and touches the base before the runner touches the base, the runner is out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Shanahan is asking, why should you have to touch second base? On the front end of the double play, I I think I've lost you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Positive. <laughs> the yes. thing is, though, you only have to answer Shanahan, and I guess like he understood everything of what you just said. Like, I think I, so. I really, I care very little for baseball, so. Yeah, M- Maybe you don't have to explain it, so I understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, I th- I think Seanahan is a White Sox fan. So I'm trying to think of a Yankees-White Sox game where there was a missed call or something, but I can't off the top of my head.
0: Hmm. Sound off, Seanahan. We want to know now. <laughs> we need to settle this once and for all. We can't wait until I interview you at some point. But if I'm gonna interview Sean, then you can you can ask a sneaky question like that. Yes. It's gonna be like a meta meta thing from like one interview to the other.
1: Yeah, there are, there has to be some connecting path.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so we haven't talked about any of your other hobbies um, yet, have we? I don't think so. Let's let's uh let's stay on the discord for the last question which is like if you had to choose three favorite discord channels from our main dominion discord which one would they be and if you can't answer that you could also tell me what three channels you always check first um when you check discord
1: I guess I don't really venture too far out-of-league stuff anymore. I don't have time, but...
0: Boo! Um,
2: what? I know.
1: I mean, I guess when... I guess I'll go the order that I look at things when I wake up. So... Yes. First, I, first I check the various league mod channels.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: generally, I have an alert or two there for things that I haven't done. Um, but then I usually check results... Then matches and then whatever tournament is going on at that at that point, so whether it's a a mixed tournament or quad e or size games, so I guess I'm mostly looking at the all the various tournaments that are going on and then um, ever so rarely there's some new message in sports that I'll go check out
2: mm-hmm.
1: so I always i always make sure to look at those um but outside of that just i stick mostly to general and dominion mm.
0: i always find that so funny like sometimes i discover new channels that are like obviously there all the time and people post in them all the time but just like i am so like set onto the ones that i check like i i read the yeah. the sports channel I think two days ago and I was like huh interesting people write in here like this is a channel yeah. so fascinating that's,
1: that's a rare one I'm also very excited when something pops up in board games
0: huh yeah that's also like a whole so, section that I usually skip over
1: basically mm-hmm. I have all of the channel categories minimized except for um, like the the top ones, so like all the, most of the other topics ones, I have collapsed, so I don't wind up being able. I I only see when new messages pop up, and in the channels that I don't have muted.
0: You're not checking the pets channel.
1: That's one of the ones that's unmuted, so whenever okay. something, I'll always know when something new in pets comes up. Okay. Uh, board games, pets, sports, but I I. I don't venture usually into language, books, moving pictures. It's not books. Music. (laughs) What is it?
0: It's literature.
1: (laughs) Okay. See, that just shows how little I know about some of these things.
0: (laughs) We wanted books, but JSH gave us literature.
1: Okay. (laughs) I think I have more channels muted than unmuted.
0: I mean, there are... lot of channels so I guess it's the same with me probably you want to talk about other hobbies I can do that yay
1: so um most of my other hobbies are uh various sports um I grew up playing sports since I was about three years old so um that's sort of like my main interests uh sport wise are the ones that I played, so baseball, hockey, and football. Uh, So, um, But even now, I I enjoy watching pretty much any sport. There are very few that I don't watch, um, but typically the main ones are football and hockey, but I'll watch an occasional tennis match or golf tournament or uh, when the Olympics come around, I'm pretty much glued to any random sport that I can find on there just because you never really get to see too many of them outside of the Olympics.
0: Sports climbing!
1: Yep. I kind of have an idea of what goes on there now.
0: Yay!
1: Um, I'm also, I also enjoy running. Um, I Once I sort of stopped playing sports, I needed something to do. So um, I started running a bit. Mostly that was in grad school, but I continue to do that now. I try and go out about four to five times a week just to get some sort of physical activity. Um, And then the other big main one is board games. Um, I like playing all kinds of different games. Um, There's a, at least before the pandemic hit, there was a weekly board game group I would go to, I go to on Saturday nights. Uh, It's a group that just gets together for like five or six hours and people bring uh, new games, random games. Uh, Sometimes we'll set up and say, Hey, we played we played Terra Mystica a couple months ago, and I'd really like to play again. Um, and then people will bring that. So there's um, a group of about. We sometimes we have anywhere between twenty and thirty people, and we just kind of
2: wow.
1: group up and and play different games. Sometimes it's teaching games. Sometimes everybody already knows the rules and it's just playing. Sometimes it's just a it's a big party game, a big group game. And so um, I've been introduced to a lot of new and fun games there and sorry
0: um, you have something in your hand what is it you're making noise with it oh oh (laughs) sorry i'm just fidgeting with can you please stop and focus on the interview
1: i'm sorry (laughs) i'm a fidgeter
0: (laughs) sorry i interrupted you i just like picked up the noise
1: um so so yeah just i enjoy learning and playing new games and Uh, some of the old favorites and then one other hobby that, um, I grew up playing or grew up working at a golf course and my mom, Mm -hmm. uh, played golf. My grandfather taught her, taught me how to play. So, um, I've always enjoyed playing, but since I've moved to Colorado, I haven't really found a course or a group of people to play with yet. So, uh, that's something I want to pick back up on, uh, to start, um, kind of playing again when I was we had a, a friend group when I was in uh, grad school where we would play 54 holes a weekend we would play 18 holes on either Saturday or Sunday and then play 36 on the other day with lunch in between
0: whatever that means what does it mean
1: it means we were at the golf course probably 12 hours a weekend
0: oh, wow that's <laughs> a lot yeah.
1: what else were we gonna do you're outside you're with friends you're having fun
0: sure sure if you put it that way yeah makes sense
1: staying out of trouble (laughs) unless you hit unless you hit your ball in the water
0: Mm Hmm. what happens then who has to get it
1: nobody you just lose it you take your one-stroke penalty and be sad
0: but what happens to the ball
1: it stays in the pond. And then uh, there, are, there are people who put on scuba gear and dive into ponds and collect all the golf balls.
0: Okay. Okay, so you just, like, leave it there. And then... Yep. Golf is so strange. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Anyways. Sorry I interrupted.
1: You're fine. So yeah, pretty much just sports, running, board games, and then various activities outside when the weather's nice. So we're about an hour and 15 minutes from a national park. So it's nice to go there every once in a while and find a new trail to hike. Hmm. Do you
2: have
0: um, a, favorite, a favorite game? Besides Dominion, so, I don't know if uh, I don't even know if Dominion is your favorite
1: game. Yeah. So right now my favorite non-Dominion game is Twilight Imperium. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a very heavy, long game. Uh, typically, games take about six to eight hours, but can take even more than that. Horrible. But it's it's not horrible. You, it the time just flies there. <laughs> so it's it's a combination of sort of uh, a little bit of. Risk, so, but uh, space risk because you're flying ships around. But then there's also there's also diplomatic relations that you have to have with the various other players at the table. Uh, there's trading that goes along. There's a lot of sort of uh, strategy that goes into it, planning out your moves because um, you're. It's a game where you play to ten points, so it takes you eight hours to get the ten points, but. Because mm-hmm. each, each of those points are based off of uh, random objectives that come out during the game. So there, um, you start the game going after two objectives, and after each round, you reveal a new objective that you're trying to trying to approach or trying to achieve and score.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's also objectives that you secretly have that you're trying to score. And so mm-hmm.
0: that sounds fun.
1: And you can only score one objective, one public objective that everybody knows per round and up to one secret objective per round. Mm. And so you kind of have to plan out your moves and make deals with the other players to achieve these goals. And so there's, there's a whole bunch of different working parts that go into it. And it just makes it a very fun and interesting game that even though you're playing for hours at a time, it doesn't feel like you're playing for hours at a time
0: yeah yeah i see the appeal but i i just like i don't know i don't know if i could stay focused like i remember back in when i was at university we would like play arkham horror i don't know if that's like still can still play that but it would always like take us a like 30 to 60 minutes to just like set up the board because of like all the little pieces and stuff and then we would play like three hours and then like the game is very imbalanced so like we would invariably just like lose against the game it's a, a cooperative game and but then i think the thing for me is that I'm not, like, huge into Lovecraft, and so I guess if I was a Lovecraft fan, it would be much more fun, probably. But since I'm not a Lovecraft fan, and I don't like losing and, like, spending four hours on on this thing, it just, like, yeah. I think what I took away from it is that, like, I don't want to don't want to spend that much time on a game, but maybe I should give it another try
1: right and I guess for other shorter games i'm a I'm a big fan of sort of the worker placement type games where you have to where you have to decide on various actions you can take and you're limited in the number of uh meeples or actions you can take in any given round and so. Um, A couple games that come to mind for that are A Feast for Odin and Caverna, where not only do you have limited actions, but you're sort of bumping up against other people because only one person can take a given action per round. Mm
2: -hmm. So you have to
1: strategize in that way to build up your scoring, but also maybe block other people's scoring and or get to a spot, slightly inefficiently, just to make sure you get there. Mm -hmm. So,
0: Um, Back to Twilight Imperium, because Not Too Bad asked me to ask you what your favorite faction to play as in Twilight Imperium is, and why?
1: So this is definitely going to make your eyes glass over but so
0: worse than baseball
1: i think so <laughs> try so, me so now there, there are now up with the latest expansion there are 24 different factions in twilight imperium so there's that's another thing that makes it interesting is that there are these 24 different factions that have different abilities different strengths different weaknesses that um you can choose from so pretty much any game you play is going to have a different combination of these factions mm-hmm. and so um, I guess two of my favorites are uh one called the Vool Wraith Cabal, and then the other is the Empyrean. And so uh, these are two new um, expansion factions. Unfortunately I haven't I haven't played all 24 factions, but so but this is a so this is a limited sample size. But I like the I like the Vuel Wraith Cabal because when I play games I'm kind of cutthroat and Sort of ruthless, <laughs> and so <I> have heard. <laughs> and and they kind of this faction kind of plays into that side of things uh, because they have the ability to just capture other people's ships for no reason, just because they have the ability to.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, and that allows you you can if you've captured another player's ship, you can build a ship of that type for free. So you get to build mm-hmm. up, the, you get to build up these big armies and be somewhat aggressive um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: in the fighting way of things. But fighting isn't always the way to win the game. Sometimes you have to have certain, um, you have to have certain other resources or things available to score your points.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and so um, if I'm if I want to be mean, I, I like playing the the Cabal. But then the Empyrean is a is more of a tradey type faction where um, they really one of their big things is they have a lot of things that they, that they can trade to other people, and so that if I if I want to play a more like negotiating type game or a more um, interactive type game where there's a lot of discussions with other players on. How to make things work like both of us want this one spot, but maybe I take it this turn you take it next turn um, and so uh, the empyrean have a lot of things that they can trade but they're mm-hmm. also not but they're also not super weak in combat so they have just enough muscle to keep themselves in the game and so uh, they they kind of play into my uh, trading side of things and also have a really they have a collection of really cool, unique abilities that are fun to play.
0: Mm-hmm. And how many factions have you played already of the 24?
1: Uh, I've probably played about half of them. Hmm. Just because um, before the pandemic started, we would uh, the, the game group that I go to, we would play in person as well. And we would, we would show up early to be able to make sure we got a game in before yeah. the venue shuts down yeah and so like, we we would play the first saturday of every month mm-hmm. and so we did that for probably about a year and um we we try and mix up who we play just for just for the fun of it so i think i've probably played about eight eight or nine of the base game factions and then three of the seven um expansion factions sounds complicated it's it's scary at first but then you kind of get used to it.
0: It sounds more interesting than baseball. Okay. But that's just me.
1: I I think a lot of people would agree with that.
0: <laughs> um I think we're at the 2 hour mark. Okay. <laughs> um I'm getting a little tired. Um but what I always uh like to ask of my interviewees is who you would like to hear an interview with um on a future episode.
1: I could go with the quick and easy one with burning skull. I think that I would be a very <laughs>
0: <I> can't <laughs> that,
1: that would be a very fun and interesting one um...
0: I would be so nervous i I can't
1: yeah. I think Cabo Sapien would be fun to have on with all the various DomBot features and other uh developments going on with that.
2: i mm-hmm.
1: I'm not good being put on the spot.
0: I mean, you kind of gave me a list like all the way back like months ago. Yeah. And you also like tipped me off for GameSoul. Um I'm not I'm not trying to yeah. put you on the spot. And like yeah. you already said like two people. <laughs> I I'm just always curious. Yeah. The the list is ever extending.
1: Yes. There are there are a lot of fun and interesting people in the community.
0: Oh definitely. Definitely. Now I have to interview Shanahan at some point so that he can answer so. answer you.
1: Yes. <laughs> I'll have to to ask him if there's something that's particularly digging at him.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Is there anything else you want to share or say or I don't know?
1: I think we've pretty much covered it all, but I just want to say thank you for having me on and thank you for doing this podcast. It's definitely been a, very positive addition to the community. And it's something that I look forward to hearing every week. So
0: thank you. Yeah. I feel like it's always, I'm, I'm always like so impressed, um, by, by everyone like putting in like so much work like you, for example, or the other mods, just so that we can, live our happy dominion lives and i'm always like how can they like work or go to school or whatever and then they um like sit down when they come home and like do some like additional hours of work just for like dominion and i'm like well (laughs) the podcast is also like uh takes up a lot of time and it just doesn't feel like work to me most of the times yeah. um most of the time but um yeah but then again it's just like something it feels like it's like something extra that I like I mostly do it for myself but I'm happy that like other people enjoy it as well but the stuff that you are doing is like kind of like crucial for like everything like for, for a leak for example and my stuff is just like something like a little cherry on top yeah. I guess
1: we each have our labors of love we do.
0: <laughs> we do. So. Well, um I I'm not sure if we said hello at the beginning of this um because I think I just I didn't start recording before starting the call which was not clever of me, <laughs> but um thank you for taking the time and being so candid with me and answering all my um, see questions.
1: You're very welcome. It was, it was my pleasure and thank you for having me. Sure. Bye bye. Bye.
0: Thanks again to my dear friend for taking the time and patiently answering all of my questions. Thank you to Assemble Moi, Not Too Bad, and the one and only Shanahan for sending in questions. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. You can find me on Discord for feedback. I am at Strumpf. There is a new channel now to discuss video and podcast content. It's called Content Discussion. So I'm looking forward to reactions or thoughts or feedback there if you have any. And I'll catch you all next time. The game has ended. Bye!